see from Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You don't have to turn there, just listen to these words. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do want to come to you this morning, Lord God, and just thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak through me this morning to your people. Lord God, I pray that they would receive your word. I pray that they would come to a complete understanding of what you have done and what you desire. Lord God, I pray that you would just take me out of the equation, Lord God, and you would just speak through me. Lord God, let my words be yours. And Lord, we lift this to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do, how do you start off a sermon with that scripture? You know, I, I, I asked God that several times as he, as he had me put that down, and, and I think he wants you to understand what it means and what his desire is about reconciliation. He, he plainly and clearly says, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in a temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Jake, you're going to have to turn these spotlights off. I want you to hear God's word about reconciliation and, and, and what it is and what it means to him. And, and if it means so much to him that, that he says, just leave your stuff at the altar and go and be reconciled with that person, then come back and worship me, that's pretty profound, don't you think? Really, guys? Give me a head nod or something. Yes, it's pretty profound. If, he, if he's saying, I want you to go and be reconciled with somebody that's angry, he, he, he begins it with, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But he says, if, if you're even angry with someone, has anybody in here ever been angry with someone? <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been there. He says, if you've ever even been angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. And then he says, you should go and be reconciled to that person. Have you reconciled everything, every person that you've ever been angry with? We're going to talk a little bit about reconciliation today. And, and, and I can tell you what, I, I went to the Deer Lease this week and, and I had a lot of time with just me and God. And God, God just kept punching me in the face so many times. I, I, was, I was black and blue and I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm going to share it so that you guys feel the same kind of pain that I did. I'm a giving person. It's a giving time of year. 
this is not your typical New Year's New Year's sermon either. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit, stand here and lie to you and tell you that that I'm here to make you feel good. But what I am here to do is is give you God's word and allow God's word to speak to your heart. And and He's gonna speak to you directly today. And I want you to allow Him to do that because it's when He speaks to you directly is whenever your life changes. And it's where, where the lives of those that are around you can change. And so we're going to go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. And I do want you to turn there to Genesis chapter 27. We're going to look at the story of Esau and Jacob. Chapter 27, beginning verse 1. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he, caught, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it back, to here, bring it back here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to, to hunt wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man and, I, and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were in the house, and gave them to her younger son Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Esau or Jacob? And Jacob replied, It's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How did you, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you are really Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's. Isaac said he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hand felt hairy just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, now my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son. 
He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which is the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. And many nations, may many nations become your servants. May, you, may they bow down to you and may you be the master over your brothers. And may your mother's son bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father and then he said, Sit up, father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, Who are you? Esau replied, It's your son, your firstborn Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I have blessed him before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard this, his father's words, he let out a, a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, Your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, No wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What is left for me to give to you, my son? Esau pleaded, But do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. From that time on, Esau hated Jacob because of their father had given Jacob the blessing and Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But Rebekah heard about Esau's plans. So she sent for Jacob and told him, Listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. So listen carefully, my son. Get ready and flee to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay there with, with him until your brother cools off. When he calms down and forgets about what you have done to him, I will send for you to come back. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Wow. You, you think maybe Jacob and, and Rebekah did something wrong? And, and what are the odds that, that, that Esau is going to cool off? I mean, that, that's not something that you just cool off from. I, I, I mean, it's just even un, unimaginable. But have, have you ever lost something? Has somebody ever stolen anything from you? A truck, a car, an inheritance, a girlfriend, a boyfriend... Maybe even a spouse. You, 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 you follow where I'm going? And, 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 you, and, it, and it hurts, right? It hurts. I remember a while back, my house was broke into. They kicked in the front door and they stole a TV and, and, and some other stuff. And, and, I, and I remember being so angry and, and so, so violated. And, and the last thing that was on my mind was... was was reconciling with that person that broke into my house. I was more like in the same state that Esau was in, which was, 
man, I hope I find this person because I'm going to kill him. How many of you have been there? How many of you have ever been angry with someone? How many of you have been hurt by someone? I think we can all, we can all say those things. And, and, and the, the, the thing that I want you to hear is we, we all look at Esau and we're, we're all like, man, I, I've, I've been where Esau's been. But I want you to understand that I want you to multiply where you think you've been. I want you to multiply that times ten because that's where Esau was. Jacob had just stolen his blessing from his father and his blessing from God and he basically took his entire life and turned it upside down. Ten times whatever it is that you think you've gone through, he has been there. But see, we all sit back and we all say, well, I, I, can, I, I can understand where Esau is at, but none of us ever want to look at the other side of things. How many of us have been where Jacob is? How many of us have, have hurt someone else, either intentionally or unintentionally? How many of us have lied about something? Maybe lied about an, on an application so we could get a job. Maybe, maybe did something to make ourselves look better in a, in a different light. Maybe we did something that wasn't exactly on the, on the up and up so that we could gain finances or fortunes or, or something to that effect. Maybe we've done something to, to an individual to, to take their inheritance away from them. I want you to actually think about yourself in, in this circumstance. Is, is there someone that has caused you pain and, and is there someone that maybe you have caused pain to? When you think about those things and, and you see where, where Esau was, do you, 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 you look at it and, and it's just, why would people do that? Why would Rebecca do that? Why would they scheme to do that? What was the gain? I lost y'all again. What was the gain? The blessing, all of the riches, all of the things that, 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 that he wanted, essentially. I'm not going to read to you the, the 28, 29, and 30 because I think I would put you to, to sleep or you would completely be lost. But I want to sum it up to you in this. So, so Jacob ran away. Why do you think Jacob ran away? <laughs> Sometimes when we do stupid stuff, we have to run away because there's, there's consequences, right? You reap what you sow. Jacob ran away to his uncle Laban's in, in Patamaran. And, and there he married and he had children and amassed a great deal of wealth. But, but I want you to hear on the way that he was leaving and he was headed to, to his uncle Laban's house, he fell asleep on a rock and, and God spoke to him and he said, he said, Jacob, this is your land. You will return here someday and all of your descendants will live here. Do you think Jacob was going, yeah, okay. Or do you think he was going, <laughs> no, that ain't happening. So he goes on to his uncle Laban's and, and he marries and he has all these children and he amasses a great deal of wealth. But the, the problem runs into is, is Laban's son sitting here watching, watching uh, uh, Jacob marry his, his daughters and, and amass all this wealth off of their father. And so do you think that made them happy? No, they got angry with Jacob as well, and they started plotting against him and, and turning their dad against him. And, and at that time, 
Jacob and his wives didn't know exactly what to do. And God spoke to Jacob again and he said, Now is the time for you to return to the land of your ancestors. And he promises Jacob that, that he will be with him, that God will be with him in his travels. So Jacob packs everything up at night and he leaves in the middle of night and, and now Laban is really not happy because he's taken all of his daughters and he's taken all of his grandchildren and he's taken all of his stuff and he's leaving in the middle of the night. And so Laban chases him down. But God spares him. He speaks to Laban and said, do not hurt him. And so they have a conversation and they make a treaty with Jacob and, and everything is, 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 as they say, hunky-dory between the family members now. The only difference, the only problem is, is that Jacob is still being told by God to go home. I want you guys to go over with me to Genesis 32. You know, if you've ever been in a position where you've done something wrong and, you, and you've hurt somebody, what, what's the hardest thing to do? To go back and face the music, right? Well, not everything that we do to hurt someone is 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 reason for the death penalty. Um, but but even even in those things which we hurt someone, even in a small thing, it's hard to go back to that person and and ask for forgiveness. But I want you to think about this from from Jacob's point of view, who has done something that is worthy of the death penalty. Genesis chapter 32, beginning verse 1. As Jacob started on his way again, angels of God came to meet him. When Jacob saw them, he exclaimed, This is God's camp. So he named the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead of his brother. Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, give them this message to my master, Esau. Humble greetings from your servant, Jacob. Until now I have been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle and donkey and flocks of sheep and goats and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. <laughs> what did Jacob just do? Why would he send messengers ahead of him? You, you think he might have been scared? Just a little bit? So he's hearing what God's telling him. I want you to go back and I'm going to be with you. And, and Jacob's like, I hear you, God. But I'm going to send these people up here to talk to, to, talk to Esau and see what kind of a mood he's in and, and before I even walk down there. So Jacob sends these messengers ahead to, to meet his brother. And after delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported... We met your brother Esau. He's already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. <laughs> Boy, that would just change your mindset, right? God's telling me I need to go back and reconcile with my brother. God's telling me that I need to, to humble myself and I, and I need to return. And, and, but my brother is coming to meet me with an army of 400 men. An army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, 
Perhaps the other group can escape. Then, Je then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your land and, your, and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of all of the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I'm afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children, but you promised me. I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. Too many to count. So Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to a different servant. Then he told his servants, Go ahead of me with the animals, but keep some distance between the herds. He gave these instructions to the men leading to the first group. When my brother Esau meets you, he will ask, Whose servants are you? Who, where are you going? Who owns these animals? And you must reply, They belong to your servant Jacob, but they are a gift for his master Esau. Look, he is coming right behind us. Jacob gave the same instructions to the second and third herdsmen, to all that followed behind the herds. You must say the same thing to Esau when you meet him, and be sure to say, Look, your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I will try to appease him by sending gifts ahead of me. When I see him in person, perhaps he will be friendly to me. So the gifts were sent ahead while Jacob himself spent the night in the camp. So I want you to see what Jacob is doing. Jacob is, is hearing God and he's saying, I hear you, God. I'm supposed to go back. But Esau's coming with 400 men. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going divide to divide everything in, in, in sections. I'm going to have two different sections, one up here and one back here. And I'm going to send these guys in front of me with the offering of Esau, and I'm going to hang back here. And he tells the first herdsman with the first set of herd, he says, here's what I want you to tell my brother, that, that you are the master, Esau, and I am the servant, Jacob. You follow where that's backwards in the blessing? So Jacob is saying, you are my master, I am your servant. He's essentially humbled himself to a servant. And, and then he's, he, he tells the herdsman, he says, this is what I want you to tell my brother. Why do you think he told the herdsman all the way down the line to say the same thing? Because his thoughts were, he's going to get to the first servant and he's not even going to talk to him. He's just going to kill him and take all the animals. And when he gets to the second service, he may just kill him too and, and take all those animals. But, but surely as he goes down that they will begin to ask, you know, hey, and, and maybe by the time he gets there, then he'll be okay with, with what he's being given. And so Jacob's got this wonderful plan about sending all of these gifts to Esau to try to what? Win him back, wear him down, humble himself. He's given gifts to try to ask his forgiveness. I want you to go with me over to the chapter 33. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, from, coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and two servant wives. He put the servant wives and the children up at the front. 
Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. All I can say is, wow. Then Esau looked at the women and children. He asked, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant. Then the servant wives came forward and their children bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and they bowed before him. And what are all these flocks and herds that I met as I came, Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept these gifts from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought for you. For God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's be going. I will lead the way. Reconciliation is a very powerful thing. We can learn from, from both, of those, both of those men, Esau and Jacob. The thing is, is Jacob did something wrong, absolutely, but, but whenever it came down to humbling himself and going back and, and admitting that wrong and, and trying to reconcile things, he, he did that. But you know, oftentimes in, in the world in which we live, when people come to you to try to reconcile and, and ask for your forgiveness, we go, no. It ain't happening. But what is it that God says that we should do? What example is it in the Bible that God gives us? Esau was headed towards him and gave him a hug. And a kiss. And he gave that forgiveness instantly as soon as he came to give it to him. He humbled himself and, and whenever the person, whenever Jacob came back and asked for forgiveness, he gave it to him. When someone wrongs a person and they return humbled, it's our job to forgive them. And I know, and I, know I, I got you. I argued with God a little bit too. I said, God, what if, they, they, what if they've wronged me if they, and they've never come back to ask for forgiveness? And, and I said, I'm still waiting on, on people to come back and ask for forgiveness. And, and then, I, and then I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. And, and, then I, and then I got to thinking, well, what about those people that I've wronged? Am I, am I going and asking for forgiveness? And then, I, and then I went back and I said, so, so if I've been wronged, do I just sit here and wait? And he said, no, you don't sit there and wait. I want you guys to go with me over to the book of Matthew, chapter 18. Matthew, chapter 18, beginning verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. 
If the other person listens and confesses it, then you have won that person back. Wow. So if someone has offended me, it's my job and my responsibility to go to that person and, and let them know that they've offended me. You know, in, in the world in which we live, people, people can be offended by the smallest things. Have you ever, some of you may have just been offended by me saying that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a true story. I mean, and, and it happened in the early days of this church. And, and I, I was uh, always tried getting around and shaking everybody's hand. And then as we grew, there was, it's an impossible to shake everybody's hand. And, and so you still try to do that. But I, but I had one guy that we were, we were good friends. And, and, you know, I shook his hand every Sunday. We talked during the week. And all of a sudden, he just quit talking to me. Uh, he, he was almost like he was avoiding me whenever I walked around, and, and finally I just cornered him, and I said, man, what is going on? You, you're not talking to me, you don't shake my hand anymore, and, and he said, well, I, you know, I thought you were mad at me, you know, you come in one Sunday and you didn't shake my hand, and you haven't shaken my hand, and you haven't talked to me, and so I haven't talked to you. Well, okay. Well, let's pray about this, and let's get this, this, this fixed, because it was not an ill will, but see, that, that's where the, the, the miscommunication comes in is, is I didn't know why he was mad. He didn't know that what was going on, and, and, and it was a, just a big miscommunication. And so we, we solved it. We were able to reconcile, and we're still friends today. I'm not going to tell you his name. I might later. He says, if the other person listens and confesses, then you've won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others to go with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Here's what I want you to hear. It does not say that you should get two or three people and get them on your side and then go back and talk to the person that, that has bothered you or caused issues in your life, or caused problems in your life, or stolen something from you, or angered you. It does not say that. It says, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. You know, in, in counseling, you learn, you learn really quick that there are, three there are three sides to every story. There is your side, their side, and God's truth right in the middle. Your side has your best interests in mind, your feelings, your things, your stuff, your life, all those things that hold dear to you, and that's what you believe. Their side has their thoughts, their feelings, all those things that they hold dear to them, and what it is that they perceive the truth to be. You know that we live in a divided nation, right? But the truth is right in the middle. And the thing is, is whenever you bring two or three people that, that are, are of godly people and into that conversation, they have the ability to sit there and look at the truth and say, no, 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 you're both wrong. No, you're both right. But, but as, a, as a people, as a culture, we have grown up thinking that we should win. We should win. I, I do a lot of marriage counseling, guys, I'm not going to lie. But, but I'm going to give you a secret, secret to all relationships, okay? There are no fighting tactics that, that are, are allowed in any kind of relationship that you're in. You know, we learn from the time whenever we are two years old that, that 
if we scream in Walmart and throw ourselves on the ground and flop around, mom and daddy will give us what we want to shut us up. We learned that at a very young age. For those of you that are scared to spank your kids in Walmart. I'm not one of those. But you learn that. You, you learn that fighting technique to get what you want. And then once you get what you want, then what do you continue to do? You use those fighting techniques. So then you, if, if, I, if I figure out that I can yell and, and, and it eventually makes you be quiet, guess what? I won. If I find out that I can, I can do the silent treatment and not talk to you, and then eventually you'll come back, then I've won. If, if I am if I, in the middle of an argument and then I just start crying, and then the argument stops, I've won. They're all fighting techniques. They're all fighting techniques to win. Guys, who wins? Nobody. Nobody, because there's no communication. There's no reconciliation. There's no end to the argument. It's a winner and a loser, and that's not what God's Word says. His desire is for us to be reconciled to one another. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and go back so that everything that can be confirmed by two or three witnesses, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, God's word, that that person treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers, I am there among them. Let me, let me read this sentence again. If he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan and a corrupt tax collector. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He forgave them, right? I like Peter. He says, then, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord... How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You think that's good? Seven, seven times? And Jesus replies, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So what is it that Jesus is saying? That we should forgive. Can you change a person's heart by... by giving them the same amount of anger that they are giving you. No. The only way to do it is exactly the way Esau did, which was give that forgiveness. You see, we have two, two sides of a reconciliation story. One person that does the wrongdoing and the other person accepting their, their humbleness and, and letting them back, and the other person who has been wronged going back to that person and pointing out their faults and, and having communication, the only way that we can have reconciliation in our, in our worldly relationships is, is by conversation. Is by conversation. No, I'm not going to end the sermon here, but I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning.
Lord God, I pray that each and every person here has heard your message. And the fact that you tell us to, to leave, our, leave our gifts at the altar and go and be reconciled with a brother if we're angry, if we're hurt. And Lord God, that both sides have a, have a role to play. Lord, I pray that you're talking to each and every person here today, Lord God, that if they have someone in their life that they need to be reconciled with, Lord God, that they would begin that. Lord God, I pray that you just continue to work on them. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, we sit here and we, we talk about reconciliation, and, and this is a time in which, in which families come together for holiday season, and, and they come together and they, and they break bread, and they, and they have conversation with one another, and they love on one another. But how many of you always have that family member that's out there? And, it, and, and, and it's usually over something stupid. It, it, it starts with a conversation like this. Uh, you know, I showed up over at, 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 at so-and-so's house with a, with a Thanksgiving turkey, and whenever I got there, Joe had already made turkey, and, and I don't like Joe's turkey. Joe's turkey is dry, and, and my turkey's not. And so if, if they're not going to let me bring my turkey, then I'm not going back over there. Sounds pretty stupid, doesn't it? True story. Or, or, it, or it comes down to a, a Christmas party. You go to a Christmas party, and, and, and ladies, you'll hear me on this. And you walk in the room, and, and she's wearing the same exact dress that you are. Yeah, I just made a bunch of people mad already. Well, I'm not talking to her anymore, and we can't take pictures with them because we're wearing the same dress. And, and I, does this dress make me look fat? Guys, don't ever answer that. Which one of us looks better? You want to start an argument and a fight? That, I'm telling you, you can do it easy. It's so easy to start an argument. It's so easy to start a fight. It's so easy to gather your troops and gossip about someone else. It's easy. You want to know the hard part? Reconciling. And communicating. God is, God is not, he, he is different from the ways of the world. Let me show you what God did. As a matter of fact, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen to this. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our sins. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right with, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. 
So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. We had to do nothing. Nothing. We were the ones that did all of the bad. We were the ones that were supposed to humble ourselves and go to God. We were the ones that were supposed to ask for forgiveness. We had to do nothing. God says He gave His Son to die for our transgressions while we were still sinners. He gave us forgiveness and reconciliation without us even asking for it. Without us even getting two or three people to go try to explain what it is that we're doing. He gave it to us freely. So that we could be reconciled to God. Did He wait until we cleaned ourselves up? No, He gave it to us when we needed it. Not when we wanted it. God reconciled Himself to us through Christ. How important do you think reconciliation is? 2 Corinthians 5 says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, who did Christ die for? I need a better answer than that. Either way, Christ loves us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everything so that we could receive His new life and no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ. Who are we to live for? They will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling Himself to the world, the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead with others, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So God reconciled Himself to us while we were still sinners. And all we have to do is accept that reconciliation is just like Esau did, with open arms. And, and then He says to live for Christ. To live for Christ. And He has given us the ministry of reconciliation, which means we are in Matthew 28 to go out and spread the gospel, to, to reconcile, reconcile the world with God. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are speaking on behalf of Christ 
to reconcile those who do not believe in Christ back to Christ to accept the gift that He gave each and every one of us while we were still sinners. Amen? How effective do you think our ministry is if we can't even reconcile with each other? If you can't even reconcile with someone that you can talk to physically and communicate with, how are you going to reconcile anyone with Christ? How powerful is your ministry of reconciliation if you yourself cannot reconcile the differences that you have with others? You feel like God just punched you in the face? We have the opportunity to do something about that. Because now you can't ignore it. Because now God's word has spoken directly to you. And he wants that reconciliation. He wants that reconciliation not only with you and him, but he wants that reconciliation with you and his brothers and sisters. Your brothers and sisters. Communication is way better than winning, I can assure you. Because again, there's always two sides to every story and the truth is always in the middle. Your truth and their truth will only match up when God's word gets involved. Amen. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. And as we do it, I, I, want, you to, I want you to think about the plain and simple fact that God gave His Son while we were still sinners, to reconcile himself to us. So that we could have a relationship with God. The only way for us to have a relationship with God is to be in God's word and live for Christ. You know, God says very clear that His ways are different from the world's ways. That the world would tell you to do something completely different. And it's, and it's easy to go around and gossip about others and try to get people on your side and make other people angry at other people. And it's, it's easy to do stuff like that. But that is not who God, God called us to do. Not what God called us to do as His people. We are called to be different. Amen? I know this is not the New Year's resolution that you wanted to, to hear about or, or the New Year's sermon that you wanted to hear about, but my prayer is, is that this, you, this New Year's resolution will be the most profound one that you will make. And it may change not only your heart, but all the hearts of the people that are around you. Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Lord God, just asking for your forgiveness. Asking for your forgiveness where we fail you, where we overlook what your word tells us to do, where we overlook what it is that you are, you are trying to tell us to do. Lord God, I pray that we would be about reconciliation of all things. Lord God, we thank you for your presence. We ask for your guidance.
We ask for your strength. We ask for your forgiveness. And we thank you for reconciling us with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. For this sermon and many more, check out our website at www.cowboyfaith.org.